hard not to dance to that, isn't it? I'm sorry. I'm like, dun, 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 dun. Anyway, sorry. That's not part of the thing here. Uh, anyway, hey, hey, hey. My name is Tom. Excited to be here. Excited to be part of the Rockbridge team. And so glad you're here with us. I'm also excited because it's summer. And you know what summer does? Summer does a few things. Number one, no homework for the kids. All right, which helps me at home. Number two, I got vacation in two weeks. Yes. Number three, it's mission season. All right, which is part of what I get to do around here at Rockbridge. So I'm super, super excited about the teams that we're sending all around the world. And as Doug mentioned, you know, our, our mission is to connect people to life in Christ and give them opportunities like a mission trip to go overseas and figure out how big God is and how small the world is and love maybe others in a new way and have an opportunity to live sin. So it's really fun. I don't know if we have a photo of the team that went out. Do we have that or no? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. See? Okay, there you go. I'm new here. Um, <laughs> this is the team that's going to Haiti, and they left earlier in the week. They're here this whole week, and they're ministering to our long-term missionary down there, Ed Lockett. Ed Lockett founded a school down in Haiti called the Yellow School. It's called Yellow School because everybody there wears yellow. So it's very simple, but bottom line is the team is down there to equip the teachers a little bit, minister and encourage to the kids, and just be available and share the gospel. And it's really a really fun thing. Today, this evening, also Matt Evans and Ben Honeycutt uh, went to Ethiopia with their team, going over there to minister and hang out with our church partner over there. And we got a team leaving tomorrow afternoon to Moldova. J.C. Groves out of Ringgold is leading that. And Moldova is the poorest country in Europe. So we have an opportunity to partner with the church that we partner with over there to do an English camp for kids that are at risk and English is a big deal for them to learn. If they learn English, maybe there's a way for them either to get out or get a better job and that kind of thing when they grow up. So really excited. And as we mentioned, we're in part three of the struggle. It's real. We're going to dig into what happens when our struggle or challenges go to a point where we have negative thoughts around it. So we end up having negative thoughts around our circumstance, our relationships, and everything else, and it's causing a variety of anxiety, stress, and worry. Can anyone relate to that at all? Has that ever happened to you? All right. So, yeah. Okay, very good. Um, and the, uh, did I forget to mention that was the Ethiopia team? Okay, we moved on from that. Uh, very good. So, for me, an example of struggling with negative thoughts was I was in a meeting just last Thursday. In the afternoon, and I get a text message from my wife, Amy, and it says, I'm going to the ER. Should I take Isabella, who's our daughter, with me? Question mark. I'm in a meeting. What do you think that makes me think? Okay, what is going on, right? So right away, some of the thoughts keep going. But also, I know my wife is a strong woman. She runs marathons, for crying out loud. She keeps herself in great shape. In 19 years that I've been married to her, she's never been to the ER. So I texted her right back and said, hey, I'm jumping in the car. I'll head your way. I call her about four minutes later. She doesn't answer the phone. I call her an additional five minutes later. She doesn't answer the phone. So what do you think that does to my mind? right? I am now thinking, wow, she's already died, you know? Wow, what did she do? Did she have a concussion? Did she cut herself? Did somebody stab her? I have no idea what's happening. Finally, about 15 minutes into my car ride home, she calls me. She gives me her symptoms of what's happening. She has a severe headache. She has a very stiff and hurt neck, and she is nauseous. She has high blood pressure, fever, and is lightheaded. Did that help any of my thoughts? 
No, not at all. So now I have an additional 20 minutes. Okay, very good. I'm hurrying. She's telling me, you know what? I'll wait here. You can take me to the ER. Fine. I'm driving home as quickly as I can. And during that time, now all of a sudden, none of my, now I know what's going on. And what do I do? I become like a doctor now, and I did not stay at Holiday Inn Express, so I'm not even good at that. But the point is, I have already diagnosed her. She has probably bacterial meningitis. She probably has brain tumor, and her brain is bleeding. You know, you just go down this road when you get news that are not positive, or when you have circumstances with your family that's hard, right? And then you end up going down this road of, man, making up stuff in your mind that's driving you nuts. It's driving you towards anxiety, worry, and stress. Isn't that right? Can we all relate to that to some level? Can't we? I mean, I think, for example, if you're a mom, right, and, and your kid is sick, you feel the same way. Maybe your kid is struggling from seizures or some things like that, and the doctors can't figure out the medicine, can't figure out why it's happening. Is it epilepsy or is there some other neurological reason for the, these seizures to happen? And while the doctors are trying all these heavy-duty brain medicines on your kid, you can't stop thinking about what's the effect of those. What are the long-term effects of the drugs? What's the long-term effects of the oxygen deprivation and maybe is caused through the seizures? etc., etc., and you go down this road, right? Maybe you are a family that have some short-term debt that you're dealing with, and you've decided, you know, to get out of this credit card debt, we're going to refinance the house, and we're going to put some of the money here, and we're going to figure it out. But the refi is taking two weeks longer, can't get all the documents together. It's like a month and a half later now. Now I'm past due on the stuff that I'm trying to pay off, and you're stressing out about it, and you're worried about it, and you're anxious about it. Isn't that right? Maybe you're a student a few weeks ago going into finals week and you just didn't feel ready at all. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm not going to graduate. I'm going to have to take extra classes. Now I'm going to have to ask my parents for more money. Everybody's going to be upset with me. I'm never going to get a job. And on and on and on, right? Maybe it's relational. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe you have an ex who you're not really getting along with. Maybe there is a coworker that has in some ways disappointed you, have let you down or have frustrated you or offended you in a way where that person walks into the, every time they walk into a room, you get stressed or irritated or you're just thinking about that person and it makes you frustrated. I think it's easy for all of us to get into this spot. You know, maybe you're a guy that started a business a little while ago and you know what? It's not going as well. The startup hasn't been as smooth. I'm not getting as many clients as I'd hoped for, right? And next thing, you're not only doubting what's going on, but you start to doubt yourself. You're throwing worry and stress on yourself and saying, hey, you know what? Maybe I do not have what it takes to do this. Maybe I shouldn't have quit my job. Now I can barely provide for my family. And you go down this road that costs by the circumstance, surely, but your negative thoughts that makes it just harder makes you more anxious, makes you more worried, and makes you more stressed. So we're going to talk about that a little bit because I think that oftentimes we end up with our day kind of in a peaceful mode maybe. Maybe we start up like, hey, this is a pretty good day, and then something hits us, someone disappoints us, and next thing you know, you're frustrated, angry, stressed, worried. And I think that's true for most of us because we all struggle with this. It's not a glass half full or glass half empty person. Wow, that guy is all positive all the time. No, even positive people struggle with negative thoughts for sure. And I found out also that there's plenty of examples of this kind of thing in the Bible when I studied for this. I didn't know if you knew that. Um, 
But I found that there is one particular person that I figured out that, that, that really, I think, can relate to this, can understand this, because he had so many reasons and so many causes to have negative thoughts and stress and worry, and that's Paul. Apostle Paul, if you're newer to the Bible, was called by Jesus personally to take the faith and take the gospel and take, just spread this idea of Jesus as a missionary to non-Jewish people. So he was sent out all around the Mediterranean, visiting different countries, building relationships, and sharing the gospel. Which, for the first time around, people have never heard of Jesus at all. That's probably in somewhat difficult circumstance just in and of itself, isn't it? So then, of course, some of you may know, you know, he was arrested, he was beaten, and that kind of thing. And there was a variety of things that happened. And, and, and I want him to describe his own circumstances that may have caused him to think a little bit like this, what we're talking about. So we're going to go to, um, let's see, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 11. And I'm going to put it up on the screen for you here and read it over for you. So this is Paul describing his current circumstance. Five times I received 39 lashes from Jews. That's 195 lashes, right? I don't think you can maybe survive maybe more than 41 or 42. So he was a brink of death five different times. Three times I was beaten by rods by the Romans. Once I was stoned by my enemies. Now, you don't stone somebody just for kicks and giggles to have a good Friday night. No, you stone them to kill them. Obviously a tough circumstance. Three times I was shipwrecked, and I spent night and a day in the open sea. And I know a lot of you might want to go to the lake or enjoy going to the beach and going out in a boat, and that's all fine and well until that boat doesn't work anymore, right? And you're stuck out there. And that's a pretty crazy situation. I can imagine it maybe caused him some anxiety and worry. We move on. On frequent journeys, he says, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the open country, and dangers on the sea, which we just mentioned, and dangers among false brothers. He also had challenges with relationships that maybe we also can identify with sometimes. Labor and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, and often without food, cold and lacking clothing. Now, does that put our circumstances in somewhat of a perspective? Because I sure have not um, gone through those things, and I don't think some of you have either. But as you would, would any of these things potentially cost you a level of negative thoughts? I can't imagine Paul was real positive about being stoned or being lashed, Right? Did he have some negative thoughts during this time? Maybe. Probably. I mean, would you be stressed if that happened to you? Right, right. So we're going to go, and Paul is going to take us to a different spot in the Bible here after this, but we're going to go to Philippians in just a second. He wrote this letter to the people in Philippi. Either he was in jail in prison or at house arrest. But we know for sure he was in custody and he had been arrested. So you, now you add that to this other list we had, right? And also he's been sent out and called by Jesus to go reach people for Jesus, for the gospel. Now that's stopped. Now he's set that on time out. Now the Romans have taken him away from that, right? And that's probably challenging for him as well. If you're new today or new to the Bible or God or church, we love that you're here. And this scripture, though, that we're going to look at 
is somewhat of a cornerstone for a lot of us, for me. A lot of, a lot of Christians know what this verse is, but we're going to dig into it a little bit maybe differently today. So we're going to go to Philippians 4, 6. And again, think of the context, what he's talking about here. He's gone through all this difficult stuff. And what does he say? Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now let's think about that for a moment, right? Go back to the context of we knew he had a really difficult time. We know he was near death many, many times, right? But he himself probably dealt with that. And he's saying, hey, when I'm worried, I'll bring it to God. But he's telling his brothers in Philippi, you know what? Don't worry. Pray about everything. Can we go back to that last one real quick? Pray about But in everything, through prayer and petition, meaning asking, with thanksgiving. Well, did, okay. If you read this out of context, it's like, okay, Paul, that's easy for you to say. You don't know my circumstance, right? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Everything will be great. Get peace, right? But... We know he's having a really difficult time, and he's still praying and asking others to pray and petition with thanksgiving. What is this thanksgiving about? Because I'm not sure he's thankful for his circumstances, but instead, the thanksgiving, I think, has to do with recognizing God's power and what God can do in the circumstance and what he's already done for us. Isn't that right? What are we thanking him for? We're thanking God for his power, his love, his grace that he's able to handle our circumstances, that he's able to handle our anxiety, that he's able to handle our worry. And he wants us to be included. He wants to be included in what we're doing. He wants to be connected to the situation, to the tough times. He wants us to share is what I believe. He wants peace for us, which is really cool. But if we remember during these really difficult circumstances that we all go through or when we're dealing with a difficult person or a coworker or an ex-husband or wife or that kind of a deal, if we remember, like Doug said before, that God is for us, we can more easily go down the path of peace, can't we? And his peace, like it says, will guard our hearts from our anxiety, worry, and stress. All right, good. Got that? That's it. All right, very good. Go home, pray. Sounds great. How long was that? Five. Okay, good. No, so I think if we stop here, we're going to miss something. If we stop right there, which is a wonderful passage, and some, most of us or some of us may have even memorized that at some point. But if we stop there, we miss a very powerful principle that I believe Paul is trying to share with us. So we're going to go to 8, where he's giving a final greeting to the people in Philippi. And he does it this way. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there's any praise, dwell on these things. Why? Because do what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul says, and the God of peace will be with you. And me. So let's go back to that eight verse just for a second because I think what Paul is trying to tell us here is that we can replace our negative thoughts, 
replace our anxiety, worry, and stress that life brings us with these positive traits. And these aren't just words, but they're traits, I believe, and qualities of God. God is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. And I think in some ways the bottom line is that focusing and dwelling on what's really true about God's qualities and who God really is is maybe helpful to leading you to this place of peace. And I think also it's kind of a description of the truth and grace that God has for us all the time. And God, or Paul says, don't just stop here. We've got to spend a little time on this word dwell, but dwell on these things. So dwell in whatever is true. Dwell in whatever is honorable, just, pure. What's dwell mean anyway? I didn't grow up here in the United States or in the South, for that matter. Growing up in Sweden, English is my second language. So sometimes I have to look at dictionaries. So we're going to do that for a minute. Dwell means to linger over, emphasize, or ponder in thought, speech, or writing. Again, let me reemphasize. To linger over, emphasize, or think, ponder in thought, speech, and writing. I would even say like steep, like a teabag hanging out with or be with, but really being there and dwelling and living in this truth of who God really is. God is powerful, and he didn't have to, but he rescued each and every one of us anyway. He's really extended this olive branch of peace and grace to us in just a profound, amazing, personal way, even though he's huge and powerful. He really loves us and wants what's best for us and doesn't want us to worry. Now dwell on that. What else is true? What is true is that the situation, the person, the challenge that you're in the midst of that's driving you down this negative path is stealing so much energy from you. It's stealing so much joy from you. You're just tired about it all the time. And we know Paul's circumstances weren't easy at all. Okay? But he's come up kind of with his own prescription for his dealing with his negative thoughts that he's sharing with his folks and friends in Philippi. Right? He's almost given us a bit of a formula here that if he says we dwell on God and who he is, the peace of God will be with you. Well, we can look at the formula we had before with our struggle, equal negative thoughts, equal anxiety, peace, uh, anxiety, worry, and stress. Now we replace that with our struggle plus God thoughts, dwelling on who he is, and we may get peace through that process. Right? What does dwelling look for us, though? Because I don't know that I dwell well. I'm not sure if any of you guys are experts at dwelling. Maybe somebody's got a dwelling diploma. I don't know. Um, But the bottom line is, what does it look like for us? And I'm going to kind of introduce a new word here because I think what happens and the result of dwelling in some ways is this word that I'm going to throw on the screen called recalibrate. Recalibrate is to refocus, to set straight again. Like if you have a gun with a sight on it or a scope on it and it's off a little bit, you've got to recalibrate it to center, right? And I think when something is off, and maybe sometimes we're off, we need a little bit of a recalibration. Because 
Life happens, and that's normal. And sometimes we don't see straight, right? And sometimes we're just off focus. And truly, and I need to mention this, as much as God loves us, there is another very powerful fighting force that wants us to be discouraged, that wants us to be isolated and anxious. I think every morning when we wake up, Satan would love for us to be deep in negative thoughts about every unreconciled thing from yesterday and last week and whatever. And all of a sudden now, he's sidetracking our focus. He's robbing us of joy. He's robbing us of peace, right? And I think what we need is a new outlook, a recalibration, if you will, which to me would mean kind of a refocus of our thinking, a new filter to look through when circumstances and people hit us in a way that's just not comfortable, that just offend us or disappoint us in ways we just weren't ready for, right? What could that look like? Well, I put this in the bulletin. What it could look like is that you could dwell on who God is to have Him recalibrate your day for you, right? And we could do that in a few ways. So, number one, and it's in your bulletin if you want to write it in. And it's simple, I know, but it's hard in today's fast-paced world and everything else we're into. But make time to dwell with God. Save some time to dwell with God. Start the day with maybe getting out of bed and instead of Satan getting a hold of you and sidetracking you, dwell in Him for a little bit. Maybe that, I'm not prescribing how long or what you need to do, but just a few moments. As you're working into a really difficult situation or a difficult meeting or you're going to meet that person you don't really like, dwell on him for a moment beforehand. Second, dwell on who God is, okay? And we do this to remember the power, love, and grace he's given me and those around me. Because the circumstances and the people in those and the people you're having a tough time with and people that might be causing you negative thoughts, they're actually also under the umbrella of God's love and God's grace. Isn't that right? And thirdly, I believe he wants us or he wants me to bring my cares to him. He wants you to bring your cares to him. Why? He wants to help me. I really believe that. And I think Paul really believes that as well. And I think Paul was trying to tell us that we can recalibrate for whatever today holds and be more prepared when life happens so that we spend less time, less energy, and less just worry on all the bad stuff, right? Because the opposite might be true, and I'm going to put this on the screen too. If you don't dwell with God, then I think the reverse is often true. You spend more time dwelling on problems and are our problems, and we spend a lot more time dwelling on those problems than on God's power. Isn't that true? If you don't dwell with God, we spend more time dwelling on our problems than on God's power. And He's powerful. But in fact, letting these tough circumstances, these hard relationships rob you of joy, rob you of your time, rob you of your energy ultimately it leaves you anxious, right? And so we got to go back to the old formula real quickly because if we dwell on the problems, we're going to end up right here. You can either dwell on God 
or dwell on our tough times and then not be connected in life in Christ. Maybe not be connected in community, not be connected with love God, other, love others, and live sin. And I know this sounds like a no-brainer, but I haven't found anybody who's got this down perfectly yet. I think we all, to some level, struggle with this. You can either be led or swayed by your circumstances or prepare yourself in a way by dwelling on who God is, letting Him recalibrate your thinking and be ready for anything that comes your way. So I want to replace a couple of words here, which we just did. Perfect. Again, we replace the negative with God. We replace the anxiety, the worry, the fear, the stress, the scared, the frustration, all of that maybe with peace. At least that's what God is promising through Paul, isn't it? Yeah. I believe there's really amazing power in spending some time with him. He is your father and he wants to know you more. He wants time. But also sometimes us Christians who have been doing this walk with God for a while quiet time becomes kind of a predictable routine that I check off with my devotional for five minutes in the morning and I'm not sure we're really dwelling in the qualities of who he really is so I just encourage you to do that also I really believe he cares for us I really think he cares and 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 I do believe also uh, Paul's friend Peter and we're going to go to first Peter here in a second he just confirms that in really, really cool way in 1 Peter 5, 6. If we can toss that up there, great. Now, we're having a difficult time, right? So we kind of know we can't deal with this ourselves because I'm down this road of anxiety and negative thoughts in such a powerful way that that's all I'm thinking about. I can't go to bed at night, etc. Now, maybe move that out and realize I can't do it on my own by humbling ourselves. Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your care on him. Why? Because he cares about you. Why do this again? Why let him in on your worry? Why let him in on your stress and your really bad situation? Why? He really cares. He really does care. God is for you. God wants to take care of you. And when you struggle with these types of things, which many of us do, you know, next time you do, maybe it's tomorrow. I want to encourage you to take it to God. Maybe even take it to God for a moment in the middle of the mess. Okay? Maybe just, maybe waking up earlier or having a few minutes early just to take the stuff to Him. Again, why? He really does care. He really does love you. He really wants to help. I think, really, the formula here that Paul is presenting us is that if you do that regularly, if you do dwell, steep, hang out, linger in, emphasize, ponder on the truths of God and the qualities of God, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, I think he will recalibrate you and renew you in a way you might not be totally ready for. But you'll be ready for anything that may hit the fan tomorrow or the next day or the following day. Right? Now, we said this whole thing about time and energy, 
And man, could you imagine if we all do this? The level of energy and excitement we would have all the time. Maybe it'll be too much. I don't know. But we would get some of our energy back. We would get some of our time back. And, and, and that's really kind of what it's about because he recalibrates us. So I, again, would encourage you, over the next week, you have five, six days until, you know, next, you know, five, six, seven days, however many days you want to take. I want you to think about between now and next week when you come back to church, take a moment of every day. Make a little bit of time. Dwell on who God really is, what he's really done for you, the power and the grace and the love that he really wants to show you. And I know this last one is hard for guys, but let him help. I know we're not good with directions. I know we're not good at asking for help, but he really wants to, and he's absolutely the best one to do so. He's got the power to deal with anything you're dealing with. Isn't that right? Yeah. And you know what? Now, if you're dwelling him and you're making some time, you're having an opportunity to realize and recognize that, wow, he's really done some cool stuff for me and who he really is, which are these awesome qualities that he has. All of a sudden now you can leverage his power for those negative thoughts, his power for that anxiety, stress, and worry, his power for this negative situation you might be in. And you might look upon it a little bit differently, wouldn't you? Also, again, you'd get some of your energy back. You wouldn't be so tired when you think of that person or that thing or that debt or, you know, your sickness in your family. But instead, spending some time dwelling and really dwelling in him will give you some of that energy back. You know why? Because there is real power. There really is in the name of Jesus, right? So what I'm going to do just for a moment here is I'm going to give you a short opportunity to dwell right now. Then I'm going to pray and end our time. We're going to have a great song at the end here to kind of just tie a bow on, on this day. And I'd love for you to just dwell Spend some time with him, recalibrate in him in a way that could be super powerful. So I'm going to give you a few moments here. If you would just bow your heads, close your eyes, and just sit for a moment of quiet. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this time that we've had together to dwell in you, dwell with your Holy Spirit, dwell on the qualities of who you really are. You're true, you're honorable, you're pure, you're commendable. And, and, and it's just amazing the grace you've given us that we so don't deserve and the power that comes with that, and the love that comes with that. And we're just super, super grateful tonight for that. I just pray, Lord, that you'd give us uh, guidance and courage to kind of dig into this this week, to spend a little time each day in making time for you so we can hang out together 
dwelling on who you really are and giving you an opportunity to help us. We thank you so very much. In Jesus' name, amen.